Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Who's the major ones you'd like to see saved that surround you? Probably your family. I remember as a pastor, I used to ask, how many of you are trusting God for your family members to be saved? And almost every hand would go up. And God's plan is the same thing too. We often think going to all the world means start over in this nation or that nation. Perhaps your world starts right there in your own house, your own sisters, your own brothers, your own cousins, nephews. And this is what God's plan is. Throughout the word of God, when a person got saved, the next ones to get saved was their family members. Let's go to the word of God today and talk about family evangelism. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today. I'm going to be talking today about family evangelism and uh, the fact that God wants you, yes, he wants you to say, get the world saved. He wants you to step out and again, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. But really the closest to us that God wants us to start with is our own family. And so Jesus left us the Great Commission. And uh, today I'm offering a, a series on evangelism on winning the world. And uh, again, I want you to get yourself a copy of this. The announcer will come on at halftime and tell you how you can have a copy. But again, before Jesus left, he gave the Great Commission as the highest calling for a Christian. You know, the disciples even said to him, how about the coming kingdom? What's going to happen, you know, economically? What's going to happen uh, toward Israel, Jerusalem? This is in Acts chapter one. And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which are given into my father's hands. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. And so he talked there about operating God's power, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. Our number one call above everything else. Now, I'm not saying nothing else in, in life is important, but what should be number one above everything is preaching the gospel, sending out people, you yourself witnessing toward other people. Because listen, I don't care who, you know, in, in countries around the world, people are nominated for president. I got some, listen, there's some people I've got chosen right now in my own head. I want to see become president of our country. But you know what? It simply comes back to this. Even if my favorite guy becomes president of the United States, angels do not rejoice in heaven over it. But angels rejoice over one sinner that receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. Why? Because presidents are temporary. Nations are temporary, except for Israel. Every, every nation is temporary. And the point of it is, but souls are eternal. And we are left here for eternal reasons, not just for temporary reasons. Are we to vote? Yes. Are we to get involved? Yes. Are we to be good, uh, show up to our jobs on time? Yes. That's just part of our natural witness before the world that we follow after Jesus. But the main thing we are left here for is to win people to Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter one and verse eight, Jesus said discipleship would begin in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. But what is your Jerusalem? I know we talk about the fact that your hometown, if you live in, you know, in Caney, Kansas, or you live in uh, Joplin, Missouri, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, or New York City, you say, well, that is my Jerusalem. And again, that is true. Jesus said Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and the other parts of the earth. But really, your Jerusalem is not first the city you live in. The closest Jerusalem to you is your family. Do you want to see your family members saved? You know, when I talk to people before, especially in our church, I can ask this before. How many of you are believing God for your family members to be saved? And just about 90% of the hands go up. And they say, yes, I really want my mom to get saved. I want my dad to get saved. I want my sisters and brothers. I want my friends also that I used to run around with to receive Jesus. But we want those closest to us. And literally, to be honest with you, 
God wants them saved more than you do. My testimony is, you know, I go back not to my father, but to my grandfather. My grandfather escaped the Armenian genocide. Yandian is an Armenian name. They all end in I-A-N. All right, uh, the Cardassians too. I'm not sure we claim them, but, but anyway, there's the Armenian background I came out of. My grandfather escaped the Armenian genocide in 1917 twice, and he escaped and came to the United States with his wife, had two sons, of which my dad was one, his brother was the other, and then his wife died. He put my dad and his brother in a, a home, a foster care, and then he went back for two years and found himself another wife and came back. And so again, my dad came out of the Armenian uh, church and his this religious background, and he went into World War II, and he fought, and he was in uh, flew B seven. He was in B seventeens, and he was the radio operator at times, and he was the navigator, and he also was the tail gunner, bombardier. I mean, they pretty much he just did a number of things. But uh, there was one time he mentioned, you know, that he was uh, sitting in the plane, and he said he just felt this impulse to stand up, and he said when he did, a piece of flak came up through the seat he was sitting in and got lodged. He kept that, and in fact, when he died, my sister got that, and she still had it. He kept that as a memento that God kept him alive because why he was open toward God, but he just really wasn't that, you know, interested in it. But when things got bad, then he began to pray. And uh, he talked about one time when he was, they were flying back and the plane was not going to make it. All he could remember from the Armenian church was, was the Lord's prayer. And he began to recite it, our father, which art in heaven. And of course he landed. And then uh, he promised the Lord that when he got back to the States, he would come to church. And when he got back to the States, he didn't go to church, but he ended up getting saved. The way he did was when my dad got through the Air Force, he went, uh, you know, was stationed different places, and he took my mother with him back to Rhode Island, where he was from. And she didn't like Rhode Island; it was so cold, and there was so much snow, and people made fun of her Southern accent because he met her when he was in Louisiana. And uh, they got married. But he said, where did we? Where was I stationed that you liked the best? And she said, Enid, Oklahoma. So they were headed to Enid, Oklahoma. And just about totally ran out of gas in Tulsa, were low on money. And so they just decided to spend the night there. And I guess they were going to stay in the car. But they were in a store. And my mom said, you know, I think I've got some relatives here. And she looked up in the phone book and found them, called them and said, yeah, come over to our house and stay. We've got an empty basement. You can stay in the basement. So they were in the basement. And about the second night they were there, this couple, you know, yelled down the stairs at them and said, you kids want to go to a revival? And my dad said to my mom, what's a revival? My mom was raised Baptist. She never gave her life to Jesus, but in a Baptist church, she said, it's a church meeting. He said, I don't want to go to church. She said, yeah, but they're giving us the room free. He said, okay. So he went to the service, but he talked about that, never forgot it. He said, he got there that night and he said, the minister talked about the importance of receiving Jesus, why we needed Jesus. And my dad literally sat in the pew and shook. He had his hands on the, the pew in front of him was shaking. And my mom said at the end of the sermon, he ran to the front. So she jumped up and joined him, ran to the front. They both gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And when you try to talk about radically saved, my dad was radically saved. His life totally changed. I wasn't even born yet. Uh, when I, my dad and mom had me later, of course, uh, by the time I was five years old, my dad became a pastor, pastor of three different churches. Well, just let me tell you about this. Uh, my dad eventually led his father and mother to the Lord and uh, pretty much close to the time of their death. And so my dad began a long line of Christians and ministers over 70 years ago that reach even until today. My mother, my sister, 
my sister's children and grandchildren, my children, my grandchildren have all received Jesus as Lord and Savior. My father was a pastor. I and my son are pastors. Some of my grandchildren have a call on their life. Loretta, my wife's family, includes also many ministers, and she looked it up. And again, what happened was out of that family, my mom talked about it quite often, how that from that small core, others begin to receive Jesus. When my mom was dying, she wasn't dead, but we talked to her and she kept saying, I want to go to be with Jesus. She was 91 years old. I want to go to be with Jesus. And she was in somewhat good health, but you could tell it was declining, but she just wanted to get out of there. And so uh, she asked us to help, would pray for her that she would die. My sister and I said, mom, we don't even know how to form that prayer. How do we pray for you to die? And my sister got smart. She said, mom, why don't you pray? And, and Bob and I will agree with you. So here was what her prayer was. Lord, she said, Sam didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus. We were married, but we found you. And through finding you, now my children have found you. Now my grandchildren know you. My great-grandchildren know you. And she went down the list and she started talking about all these things. And my sister and I looked at each other. We'd never thought about that. They were the first two in their families to receive Jesus. And again, the family lineage just kept on going on and going on. And so when she got through with that, we looked at each other and we were both crying. My mom was crying while she was making that prayer. And she said, I think my work is done. I just want to go home to be with you. And later on, she died. Wasn't that much longer after that. I was doing a meeting at a church. And David Emai was his pastor. Some of you know him. He used to be on, had a radio broadcast in the Tulsa area and was known across, pretty much across country. Anyway, I spoke at his church uh, here in Tulsa. And as I was speaking there one day, he said, you know who led me to the Lord? I said, no. He said, my mother led me to the Lord. I said, okay. He said, you know who led my mother to the Lord? I said, no. He said, your dad led my mother to the Lord. And we both started laughing over that. And I thought my dad was like a preaching machine. He'd witness to anybody, talk to anybody about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The same thing happened with Jesus family. Jesus in his family, again, although his mom and his dad already knew the Lord, and yet Jesus had a dramatic effect on his own family. Jesus' sisters and brothers were saved during and after his life on earth. The God of Mary, the God of Joseph became the God of James and Jude and the older brothers and other sisters. James had a difficult time seeing his brother as God. And James wasn't saved until after the resurrection and then eventually became the pastor at Jerusalem. Mary was present at Pentecost, the prayer meeting for Peter in chapter 12 of Acts when Peter was in prison and she attended the Jerusalem church. Both James and Jude, Jesus' brothers, wrote New Testament books. And first century writers tell us that Jesus' sisters married ministers and served in local churches. It comes back to this. Are you praying for family members to be saved? All you need to do to light a home with light is to get the first light bulb in there you can branch off the other light bulbs from that one. Once a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it becomes infectious in that household. Many might resist it, they might fight it, but when they begin to see the change in that person's life. When I minister in Bible schools, I tell the, the students quite often, I know God brought you out of that town. I know you were a hell raiser when you were there. I mean, I'm sure you look back at your high school years and you think, thank God I'm out of that town and I'm never going back to that town I came from. You don't know that. In fact, many times God will send you back to that town to show them what a difference. In fact, when they hear that you're coming back, they go, huh, are you kidding him, a preacher? Her, a preacher, are you kidding? And when they come back and they see the change in that person, they realize if God could change him that much, then certainly can change me. And I, I hear this quite often. 
people go back to their hometown and their parents don't want them to come back. They said, listen, you had such a bad reputation. I don't know if we want you coming back into this town at all. But when they go back and start that church, even the parents see what a radical change has come into their, their son and their daughter's lives. And again, they often say, we're not going to go to your church. Understand, we're not. And then maybe after a couple of years, they start attending that church, receive Jesus, get involved. The whole thing just keeps spreading and spreading. And this is God's desire. In John chapter one, I want to read verse 35 through 42, and then we'll, uh, we will uh, go to the break. And here in John one, it says in verse 35, the next day, John the Baptist stood up with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the lamb of God, the two disciples that heard him speak and followed Jesus, Jesus turned and seeing them followed, said to him, what do you seek? And they said, rabbi, which is teacher, where are you staying? And so he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. It was about the 10th hour. One of the two that heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, this is Peter, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. That's the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, that's Peter. He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is Peter, which means a rock. Up until now, you've been a wide swing, up and down, emotional, unstable person. But Peter, you're going to be known as a rock. I'll see you right after the break. As believers... We are on this earth at this place and time for a purpose, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you like to find out what the Bible has to say about witnessing and how to witness by the power of the Holy Spirit? Then order your copy of Bobby Endian's teaching series titled, Winning Your World. Winning Your World is available as a six CD series for $25 or as an MP3 download for $15. To order, visit bobbyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership. The two in John chapter one who questioned and followed Jesus to his house was Andrew and then an unnamed man. And they were with John the Baptist who pointed out Jesus to them. But after leaving Jesus's house, Andrew went and found his own brother, Peter, and told him he had found the Messiah. 
Andrew did not begin his ministry far from his home, but with his own brother, Peter. What we're seeing here throughout the word of God is family members are the first ones we should uh, lead to Jesus. Because why? Family members know us. I mean, Andrew and Peter were fishermen and Peter was probably the most obstinate guy of all, always opinionated on everything. We're not told what Andrew's personality was, but... He went to Peter and Peter was radically changed and he accepted Jesus that day. It took a while for his personality to come in line or discipleship to come in line. But again, it says to us, family members define our Jerusalem. Again, the Jerusalem for us that live in a town could be the town we're in, but our personal Jerusalem comes down to our family. Peter believed Andrew when he saw the dramatic change in his life. Again, being fishermen, they lived their lives as if each day was the last. They were probably crude men, uneducated, had speech and lifestyles to match their dangerous job. And Jesus prophesied Peter would be so totally changed that he would become called Peter a rock. Thousands of Jews saw Peter's change at Pentecost. Your best witnessing tool is your testimony. We find it here. Peter used it quite often here. Andrew used it and said, look what, I found one that uh, told me everything I've ever done. And so your best witnessing tool is your testimony. In other words, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 says, you are an epistle. In other words, there's the epistle of Bob. What is the epistle of Bob? It's my personal testimony. And I've used it at times with people. Now, it's not the only witnessing tool I have, but it sure opens up doors because I can identify with people. A man at our church, he and his wife came to our church and uh, uh, they had been witnessed to by a couple that went to our church for the longest time, and both of them were hellraisers. I mean, in college, they went, they drank a lot, they played pool a lot. He was a pool hustler, would often lie, come up to the pool to the table and say, you know, I'll play a game with you guys. And he just act like he wasn't that good at it, but he would sweep the table. And there was a couple of times he got beat up with pool cues afterwards. I mean, when they found out how good he was, they beat him up and he ended up in the hospital twice, but yet he still went back to it. He was just a hellraiser. And this couple that went to our church kept saying, come on, we want you to go to church. He said, I will not go to church. One day they came to their house. This couple came to their house, took his two daughters. He and his wife took his two daughters and said, we're taking them to church. If you want your girls come to church and get them. And he said, all right, I'm going, but I'm going this one time. And don't you ever ask me to come back to church again. He and his wife got in the car, went to the church. And afterwards, we're going to pick up their daughters. And anyway, they said as far back in the church as possible. And when they did that, of course, we had our service at the end of the service. Uh, the, his wife said she was back there. And when I said every head bowed and every head closed, she hung her head and closed her eyes. And she said, she suddenly felt like he's not here. She looked over at where he was and the seat was empty. She said, oh man, he's out in the parking lot smoking. He couldn't even wait this long to go smoke a cigarette. And she looked up, he was running down the aisle to receive Jesus. She jumped up, ran down the aisle behind him. They gave their life to Jesus Christ. He ended up being the uh, the main uh, one that ran the Christian radio station in the city of Tulsa. He then began to do counseling. And in the church, I made him my head counselor. And eventually he became my associate pastor. My wife and I were looking for a home one day. We decided we would be moving. And so we were looking for a home and we near our house, we went to see these model homes that were built, walked into this one and the builder was standing there laying out the, uh, you know, the blueprints and everything for the house and talking to somebody about it. And so we, look, you know, anyway, he looked over at us and said, uh, what are you guys looking for a house? And I said, yes. He said, where are you from? We said, Tulsa. He said, what do you do? I said, I pastor a church. He said, okay. And so uh, he said, where did you go to high school? I told him, and my wife told him where she went to high school. My wife said, where'd you go to high school? And what year was it? And he told her, and she said, oh, did you know Chip Olin? 
He looked at her and said, uh, yeah. And she said, he's our associate pastor. She went, no, 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 not him. No. And he started laughing about that and said, not him. She said, oh yeah, he gave his life to Jesus and his life has been totally changed. And now he's the, he's the associate pastor in our church. He said, I, that's a hard one to believe. In other words, when people know your past, when you get saved, I mean, it stands out radically in many cases. So again, the way that most people come to the Lord is by a family member or a friend of which they recognize the truly changed life in them. And this is what happened again when we have here Andrew leading Peter to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why ministers and Bible school students are often called back to their own hometown. Peter was changed through his brother who had spent the night talking and fellowshipping with Jesus. You are the first gospel message that most of your family will ever hear. Household salvation is a powerful truth in the word of God. In the Old Testament, the God of Abraham became the God of Sarah, then Isaac, then Jacob, all his sons, then Joseph and his sons. The God of Moses became the God of Aaron, his brother, Miriam, his sister. Rahab became a believer and led her family to the Lord. All were delivered before Jericho was destroyed in Joshua chapter six, verses 23 through 25. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 and verse 15. In the New Testament, Jesus told the man who was delivered from demons, return to your own house and tell them what great things God has done for you. That's in Luke chapter 8, 39. Mary probably brought her sister sister Martha and brother Lazarus to the Lord because she was the one that was so in love with Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch took the gospel back to his home in Africa and brought revival to his own people. History tells us about that. Lydia was saved by Paul, then led her family to the Lord, and they were all baptized that night, Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. And then the Philippian jailer, who fell down before Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The man did and the Philippian jailer took the gospel home to his family who were then saved and baptized that night. Paul had faith and Paul said that faith was all that was needed for him and his family to be saved, Acts chapter 16. Verses 31 through 34. The revival at Ephesus began with many receiving Jesus. Families came to the school of Tyrannus and then spread through the city, the gospel taking handkerchiefs and aprons to the sick and bringing the saving message of Jesus to them. The mothers would come to the meetings. The wives would come to the meetings. The husbands were off at work that day and would probably meet their wives later. And again, through family evangelism, this thing just took off. Paul told the Corinthians, the faith and the lifestyle of a saved wife can sanctify the husband and the family. And I could go on and on and on telling you biblical stories of how that someone in the family brought the rest of them to Jesus Christ. Salvation in a home joins us to a whole new family. What do I mean by that? Those who are saved become more of your family than your natural family. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 through 50. The church you attend has your real fathers, your real mothers, your real brothers, and your real sisters. First Timothy chapter five, verses one and two. And Paul told Timothy, tell the people, if they, you know, how often are we raised and said, you know what, I had a sister. I wish I'd had a brother to play baseball with. And the girl saying, I wish I'd had a sister instead of a brother so I could have someone that I could, you know, play dress up and all the other stuff that we would have done together. But you know what, I didn't. Listen, come to church, you know why? 
Paul told Timothy, because we have lots of fathers, lots of mothers, lots of brothers and sisters. Maybe your father forsook you, ran off, you know, and you didn't have a father growing up. Maybe your mother died and your father had to raise you. And you think of all the things that someone had that you didn't have and you feel left out, come to church. We have so many mothers, so many fathers, so many sisters, and so many brothers. First Timothy chapter five, verses one and two. Your family on earth will also exist in heaven. Did you know that? Ephesians chapter three, verse 14, for this cause I bow my knee to the father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You never leave the family of God. Once you join it, you are with that family forever. Oh, the church will no longer exist in heaven. The body of Christ will no longer exist in heaven. Spiritual gifts will no longer exist in heaven. Witnessing will not be in heaven. But you know what? The family always exists. And God is simply saying, why don't you take these people out here and add them to your spiritual family? Because listen, a natural family on this earth is only for as long as we're here. But once you get them into the spiritual family, it lasts forever. What does Andrew teach us about witnessing? Andrew did not invite Peter to a service or give him a theological sermon, although this is fine and it's scriptural. It's fine to bring people to church. In fact, you know, the Bible tells us to go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come into church. Don't just do it once, do it twice, three times. And so again, Andrew didn't invite Peter, first of all, to a church service or preach a theological sermon. He first looked for his brother and told him to come and see Jesus and said, I have found the Messiah. He invited Peter to come and experience what he had experienced. And Peter wanted the change that he saw in Andrew. A new convert can win people to the Lord, although God really sets aside witnessing and soul winning for the more mature. But it's simply saying here, go to the ones that know you, the ones that are closest to you. You don't need a big theological sermon. Your life becomes a sermon before them. Andrew and the woman at the well immediately ran out and told others. Many who were healed immediately went and witnessed, and this is fine. Again, I come back to it though, disciples are the best. Paul pointed this out in Colossians chapter four, verses three through six. Why? Because disciples can answer questions better. A new convert might have problems with theological or religious arguments, but they have no problem talking to their sisters and brothers. Why? Because they know them and they've seen the change in them and they can understand this thing has to be supernatural. Paul said in Colossians chapter four, verses three through six, he says, pray for us also that God would open us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest. The Greek word here says that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Here's what he said, that I might make it manifest or clear as is my duty. It is your job to keep the gospel simple. Don't complicate it. He then goes on to say in verse five, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, that is unbelievers, outside the camp. He says, walk in wisdom toward those that are on the outside. Why? Redeeming the time. The word redeeming means to buy back. He says, for the time that is lost, every soul you win, God will see to it. It'll help you to redeem the time. Then in verse six, let your speech, this is your witnessing, be always with grace, 
seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Grace means keep it on Jesus, not on them. Keep it on God's grace, not on their works. Next of all, seasoned with salt, sprinkle the word into it. The word salt here is a reference to the word of God. Don't saturate it with the word of God. Don't preach them a sermon they don't understand. Take a scripture here and there because the word of God is anointed just enough to put a little salt on it. Then it goes on to say, so that you may know how you ought to answer every one. What's this verse saying? When you depend on the Holy Spirit, he will show you how each and every one is to be witness to. In conclusion, think of this. Pray for open doors. Pray to keep the message simple. Phrases used by those who gave the gospel of Jesus when telling others was simple. We have seen him. We have heard him. We have touched and handled him. We have heard him speak. Once I was blind, now I see. And come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. The gospel is measured from your house, not from India, not from Africa, not even from the United States, but from your house, your front door. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.